I started meditating not for like the spiritual aspects of it, but for like, I just need to like correct my attention span. You start meditating in the woods, you start like picking up on vibes and like just kind of being open with your focus, like wide aperture. Like that definitely precipitated like a change in my, in my like what might be in the world and like what might be missing in my ways of seeing the world. Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm Michelle T, and today I'm so psyched to be hanging out with author Tori Peters, whose book Detransition Baby was easily my favorite book of 2021. We're going to talk about haunted forests, the limits of empiricism, how to manage opportunities, and more. After that, we get a delightful visit from friend of the pod, Christine Marr, who shares a fantastic spell to help you quit your job. Stay with us. Okay, so not to get ahead of my interview with Tori, but as I mentioned, we do talk about haunted forests. She mentioned something I've never before heard of, the so-called Bennington Triangle, a rural area of Vermont where a bunch of people went missing in the 40s. Being a native New Englander, I was intrigued by a brand new homeland mystery, so I started poking around on the internet, like you do, and was surprised to find the Bennington Triangle has its own Wikipedia page. I guess what doesn't have its own Wikipedia page? The first person to go missing in this area was a local, a seasoned hunter with the fabulous name Mitty Rivers. He was 74 years old, out hunting in the mountain with his buds, something he'd done for nearly a century. He knew this region well. He got a bit ahead of his pack and poof, gone, never seen again. Of course, there was a big search, but all it turned up was a cartridge from his rifle in the river. Weird and sad. This was 1945. One year later, a Bennington College sophomore named Paula Weldon set off to hike a bit of the Long Trail. This is a single hiking trail that cuts through the entire state of Vermont. Now, this is exactly where Mitty went missing, but it seems that the vanished hunter had become more of a scratch-your-head enigma, not some kind of sinister mystery that would keep a lone 18-year-old woman off a wooded hiking trail. Remember, this was 1946, decades before true crime media would warn women away from such locales. I guess in the 40s, nature felt safe and welcoming and not like the terrain of foreboding and doom it feels like today. Or maybe that's just me. Anyway, Paula Weldon never returned. There was speculation that she took off with a boyfriend or somehow made a hermity life for herself in the woods, living alone for the rest of her days, unfound, like a witchy throw. I mean, I wish that this was true, but I kind of doubt it. Nothing unseemly happened in the area for another two years when a 26-year-old woman named Betty Frazier met with tragedy. Apparently, Betty liked to drink, a bit more than her husband was comfortable with. He'd lately been concerned about how she was living. On the night of May 5th, 1948, after drinking at a local bar, Betty was last seen walking towards Bennington on the side of the highway. A neighbor reported she seemed to be in a trance. She was found dead one month later, in the forest 17 miles away. Cause of death was ruled death by misadventure, but how did she make it so far on foot and more than a little tipsy? Two years to the day that Paula Weldon vanished, James E. Telford, who lived at the Bennington Soldiers' Home, also vanished. He'd been visiting relatives who had seen him safely onto a bus back to Bennington. Witnesses confirmed he was still on the bus at the stop before Bennington, but when the bus pulled into town, James was gone. 
His luggage was still on board, and a bus timetable lingered at his seat, and that was that. Okay, you guys, the next one is a child, which I hate. I mean, I imbibe as much true crime as any female in the year 2022, but it's real hard for me to think about misfortune striking children. It really is. I usually avoid those ones. Eight-year-old Paul Jepson went on an errand with his mom to feed their pigs. Mom was gone for about an hour, which frankly feels like a long time to leave your kid alone anywhere, but it was a different time, was it not? When mom came back from feeding the hogs, Paul was gone. It's said that dogs tracked his scent to the area Bennington student Paula Weldon had vanished four years earlier. A couple weeks later, a woman named Frida Langer was hiking with her cousin when she slipped and fell into a stream. This is one reason why I don't go hiking. The other is mysterious disappearances. Frida told her hiking companion, her cousin Herbert, people had the best names in the 40s, right? To wait while she ran back to her campsite to change, but Frida never made it to the campsite. Her body was found half a year later, three miles from where she'd vanished. She was too far gone for a cause of death to be established. Now, none of these mysteries have ever been solved, nor have they been officially linked together. It's only the location that joins them, but that's enough for me. Of course, there's a whole crop of supernatural theories out there attesting to what may have happened to not only these folks, but also to some 19th century miners who also met with gruesome fates in that same area. It seems the place has been a little cursed for a long, long time. New England folklorist and horror author Joseph A. Citro has written some about the malevolence in these Vermont woods, and he's the person who coined the term Bennington Triangle. According to his research, the indigenous Algonquin people who lived in the region from 85 BC understood the area as a bad vibes place to be avoided. They only went in there to bury their dead. One indigenous explanation for its scary energy is that this is a spot where the four winds are locked in an eternal battle. There's also, according to the New England Historical Society, tales of indigenous people giving warning to avoid Glastonbury Mountain. This is a peak at the heart of the Triangle area, and they believed it was home to a man-eating stone, a rock that appears solid and rough as any other, but if you stand on it, it will turn gelatinous and swallow you whole. So if I didn't already respect Tori Peters' considerable badassery as a motorcyclist and a fearless scribe, I am in total awe of her decision to hunker down in this tremendously eerie part of the world. Here's Tori Peters. First, I will just start by welcoming you to your magic. So thank you for being on it. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I have, it's been it's been like two years since I've had my tarot read, so I, I need to know what's going on. <laughs> oh my god! And you've had such a busy two years. So wow. Yeah, I I'm just like I'm just navigating in the dark here. You know. <laughs> I have to ask. Like, there's something hanging on your wall behind you, and it it looks like the witchiest, crazy thing I've ever seen. For those listening who can't see, it looks like there's like a a tree somehow, like a gnarled old spooky tree somehow growing out of a very modern apartment wall. And there seems to be an animal skull inside of it. What is going on with your decor? So I have like a, I, I have this like off grid cabin up in Vermont. And when the snow melted last year, there was just a bear skull, like a hundred feet from the cabin, no body, just the skull. Like, so I think some other animal must have like taken it, but it was like, it was like in a place that I had been walking, you know, before the snow was there. So I like grabbed that. And then I was like, I kind of want to put this somewhere, but I want the bear skull to feel at home. So I grabbed a 
there was like this yeah this like gnarled old like kind of how root like the root ball makes like a star you know so that's actually like the root ball and then the roots uh from the root ball like that were probably growing over a boulder so like it made the roots kind of grow into a star shape because it couldn't go down into the boulder and like you know so i just was like uh, I was like, these two things are well fine together in my apartment. And yeah, the rest of it's like Ikea. I love how reverential you were to the bear skull and wanted to give it like a nice home in the afterlife. You know, it's really crazy about this bear skull. I'll tell you like, a, this is, since it's kind of a witchy, witchy podcast, because I'm not normally that woo, but I'll tell you something about this bear skull. I was sitting here writing uh, like maybe three months ago and one of the tooth shot out from the bear skull. It had like split and shot. Uh, like while I was working and you know my my science my science explanation of it is that I think that the humidity was changing and like so, so there's some sort of like dryness that created pressure and that it just like split over time but uh, you know another part of me was like what if I brought here <laughs> you know what what is what is what is the energy going on with this but uh, yeah that was that was a spooky thing that the bear did um behind me one time do you so you said you're not very woo but it sounds like you're like a little woo i've been getting more woo like i've been it's been a little bit vermont like the woods okay so these woods are like historically haunted woods they're like they're there's they're in what's called the bennington triangle which is an area like named after the whatever that bermuda triangle because during the 40s every single year between october and and christmas hikers would disappear and nobody's ever found these hikers for like five or ten years there's like historically it was there's been like you can go back to the 1800s and you can see that there's like the woodford monster like and it's a strange place it's like the past where like the revolutionary army went through um so it's like i don't know if there's weird history with that and also, like, the indigenous people, they didn't like that area for hunting because apparently the, the winds were really weird and it was really easy to get lost in those woods. So that, and I mean, I could go on and on about how weird these woods are, but, like, they are, they are historic. And also there's ghost, there's ghost towns in the forest because Vermont was, like, really heavily logged. And so there were these logging places and it got so bare around these villages that they were just basically like, there's no trees nearby and we, they abandoned the villages. And then the whole, like basically a huge portion of the, of the state became a state park. And so the trees grew back up around the abandoned villages and you can go and find like old walls, like deep in the forest. And you can find these maples that are like twisted and strange. And, and the reason they're called wolf maples. And the reason they're like that is because when they grew, they were, they were in open fields so they were growing in all directions and then what's surrounded them now are like their children going straight up fighting for the light but it looks really like creepy because you're like why is that one tree like so huge and gnarled and different than any other tree when it's clearly a maple tree did you grow up out there did you grow up in vermont no no i'm like an extremely this is why i'm like not that woo. It's like i'm an extremely like basic like midwestern like no religion, like sidewalks and, and like manicured bushes. Like that's my, you know, so I, like, yeah, so I've been going out to like the woods and I, there is, the whole point of this is that like the woods do have a vibe and I feel like the woods do like in their ways, tell me things. Like we call, we started calling the woods like the numinous forest just because it feels like there's like a presence, you know? And that is a that is actually a huge change for me. Like you don't know me from like before, but like somebody being like, 
15 years ago, like Tori's talking about like monsters and numinous forests. Like that's, we must have a different, we must have the wrong Tori, you know? What has the forest told you? So we, we got this land, like it's an old abandoned hunter's cabin. Like you can't drive to it. You have to like hike in and stuff. And it's on, it's on like 50 acres and it's, um, it like, you can't really build on it. Like it's, it's all, it's pretty like rambling and, and stuff. But when I first got it, I, I didn't really understand that. Like I didn't understand what this was. And so I was like, oh, like maybe I'll, and I'll build like a cute little cottage or something, you know, like I'll have my friends up and it'll be like an upstate thing, like all New Yorkers do or whatever. And then the forest was like, nope that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, you're not doing that. And so like, I would go to like, like this would be a cute little spot, right? Like you kind of get in here or something. And there, I would go back the next day and like the forest would have like, like made it like a spring would have showed up like right where I was. And it was like, okay, sorry about that. I was like, you ever heard you didn't like it. And now you've like flooded that area that I was looking at. So like, and so basically it's just like, there was this hunter's cabin. It's made, it's made of logs. It's like it's not insulated or anything. And the forest is like, yeah, this has been here a while. Like you can keep this, you know. And like you just you just adjust yourself to this log cabin lifestyle. Like that's what the forest is okay with. Wow. So how often do you? How much time do you spend in your cabin? I mean, it's it's like real 1880s lifestyle. So it's like it's usually like as long. As, as long as I can go before I'm like, I feel disgusting. Like, I just, I just want a hot shower, which is for me like four to five days, you know? Yeah. So you can't have a hot shower in your vlogger's lifestyle. No, there's no running water. There's no, we put in some solar so I can like charge the computer if I'm a write or something. But yeah, no running water, no, no plumbing. We, we dragged a wood stove into the, into the woods, which is like awful process so yeah you know can, i can i can burn some wood for heat and i can drink from a stream i'm like and then when i get sick of that which i do get sick of it <laughs> and like the romance is like good for two days and then i'm like usually i'm like too lazy to leave for another day and then finally i'm like all right ready for brooklyn so you weren't raised with any any religion that you had to then recover from a rebel against no not really it's like uh that's kind of like a very basic humanism and, and like uh, empiricism was was the probably the model. I feel like it can make me that way of growing up has made me like a little bit more buttoned up about certain things. And I've been trying to move beyond that. What has um, captured your like attention or your imagination in, in the woo sphere as you move towards it? Well, in my buttoned up way, like as I was writing Detransition Baby, I was like kind of going from a lifestyle change where like I would like work, you know, get a kind of a gig, make some money for a couple of days and then try to like take three days and just like, you know, like take Adderall and just like write as much as I could or whatever. And it sort of worked, but it was like, it just like was burning me out. Well, like obviously with like our attention spans being what they are right now, like, great, you have three days and you have, can use 15 minutes of each day, you know? So I like, it, this is where the buttoned up part came. It's like, I just got a bunch of like really boring books on productivity, like, like not cool woo books, but like, you know, for like middle managers who are like, I feel thwarted or whatever. And, and so like, I was like, time management, like, how do I do this? So I, I was reading all these kind of like boring, extremely secular books about focus. And they were all, 
you know, like you got to meditate, like you got, like you got to, you know, for focusing, like meditation is like a good, it was not, it was like very optimizing, like utilitarian, like go meditate so you can like do better at your like corporate job or whatever, like work longer hours. And, and, and yeah, I was trying to apply this to writing. So I started meditating, not for like the spiritual aspects of it, but for like, I just need to like correct my attention span. And of course you spend enough time meditating and like, you know, you kind of get your mind kind of goes to some weird places, especially if you're like, you know, that, that, that change happened. And then the woods happened and like you start meditating in the woods and you start like picking up on vibes and like, cause you're just like sitting there trying to like, what do I see? What do I, what am I paying attention to? Like what's out there? And just kind of being open to fo- with your focus, like wide aperture. And so that, like that definitely precipitated like a change in my, in my, like what, what might be in the world and like what might be missing in my ways of seeing the world. That's so cool that there's just this sort of organic woo seepage like coming into your world. That's what I think is so funny that like, you know, you can kind of find it. Like I just think about the the other people who are probably reading these books and like if they like they meant to like have like a, you know, like corporate productivity thing and they've just got like a bunch of alkalites like sitting, sitting like by a stream somewhere, like humming to the sound of the universe. And I was like, ah, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. I mean, it just makes me think of all those people that were like, I had a corporate job and then I left and you're like, now I'm making wreaths and just like spending my day, you know, like, just like, like blessing potpourri and, you know, it's kind of cool that it's backfiring on, yeah. backfiring on the man a little bit. Have you, I have to ask you, I love that um, at the end of Detransition Baby, the, the whim method comes into play and in, um in the plot i don't want to talk too much about it because everyone just needs to read this book it's so incredible and it's like a big thing at the end and i don't want to give anything away but have you have you done that the wim hof method well so we i have gone into in the woods there's a pond and we've gone into it in the winter when it's like iced over i don't enjoy that at all um but uh you know i have done it but it was more like I again, I like. I think I like. I'm interested in finding like spiritual, like accidental spirituality in places where you don't expect it. And Wim Hof seems to be like popular with like Gwyneth Paltrow and like random bros and stuff like that. And it's like I think it's a really spiritual practice. It's like I'm going to avoid grief and pain by sort of like freezing myself into like a spiritual numbness to like find my core or whatever. But it's like it's such like a macho way to do it. And and macho or sort of like kind of like faux wellness that it's like, I just, I find that kind of thing fascinating. All right, so I have a tarot deck here. I have just like your your basic Rider Waite, Smith. I need a break from the Toth deck that I usually uh, read with. Um, is there anything in particular that you'd like to know about? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a like a kind of crossroads. Um, you know, the novel came out, and um, I always I always wanted. You know, this is like in a lot of ways I'm getting the opportunities that I always wanted. Um, but there's like a part of me that's like, maybe I should turn them all down and just like write the next novel. All I ever wanted to do was be able to write novels. And now they're like, you can, you can write novels, but we also have like, do you want to see what's like behind this door, you know? And it's very tempting to see what's behind, like what is being offered. The real question I think it would be, would be, do I shun Opportunity Vote in order to 
like, should I try this point in my life to write like the next, you know, like novel that takes three or four years to write, you know, like, do I fight towards that novel or do I just kind of go with the flow of opportunities? Okay. All right. That's great. So first thing I'll shuffle to, I'm just going in the order that you just said it is I'm shuffling for fighting towards the novel, whatever that looks like for you. And okay. I don't know what inspiration is like for you. I know that like, you know, you, you so often have to just like fight through the writing without being inspired, but also it makes sense to want a certain, you know, bolt for a new project. But what does it look like if you're just like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to spend the next few years just hashing out this new novel. And that's what I'm going to do. So I'm a novelist. Everyone is waiting for your follow-up. Okay. Putting those three cards down versus going with the flow. What does it look like if you investigate doors number, you know, one through whatever with these new opportunities that are coming towards you? It sounds like during a time when you're not quite sure what you want your next novel project to be. Should I name what's behind the door? I don't know if like, I mean, there's basically TV opportunities, like the, like the model could be a show and like there's some other like, you know, it's like some glitzy, glitzy Hollywood stuff. <laughs> glitzy Hollywood. I knew it was glitzy Hollywood calling. I mean, let's, let's be real. It's like, oh, someone wrote a, a great novel and now they have these opportunities. Like, I guess it could be theater, but I figured. <laughs> All right. Wow. And hmm, interesting. Okay. So for going towards your next book, it's so funny. The very first card is the devil. Um, and I do love, I haven't seen, cause I haven't been working with this deck for a while. I haven't seen this particular devil in a while. He's like the devil in the top deck is just a goat. He's really cute. And I'm like, Whoa, look at this dude. He's like really gnarly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's really interesting when the devil card comes up, it's usually saying, it's suggesting that you're not fully in control of your emotions. Something else is behind the scenes. You're feeling compelled in a certain direction. I mean, and that, you know, so it's making me feel like, do you feel this sense of obligation? Like, I just got to write this next book. And it's like, you don't necessarily want to do it, but the pressure um, is taking the form of the devil a little bit. Um, and then your next card here is the King of Cups. And which has a, a resonance with you as a cancer. And and I want to read these two together because the devil is so gnarly, you know, just it's an intense vibe to just pop up like that. But then the next two cards are King of Cups and Six of Swords. So what this is saying to me is that like it may feel a little bit like the devil, like you, it's what you don't necessarily want to do. Um, I don't I don't know um, if it's feeling like more of a job than it used to now, you know, because there's expectation that success has brought, but the devil certainly, you know, oversees things like that. The devil is Capricorn and Aries, right? So Capricorn just wants to like, what's next? What's next? What's my next accomplishment? And then, but, but there's a funny vibe with it, with the devil where you're like, oh my God, am I even, you know, in charge of my own trajectory here? Like I'm just sort of, you know, so there is that energy, but this is, followed by the King of Cups and the Six of Swords, it's like, okay, that might be what gets you, you know, into the chair to start this project. But what then takes over is like your natural abilities as an artist. That's the King of Cups. I mean, just, I'm thinking that there's so much like emotional, like astuteness and wisdom and the way that you like understand characters so deeply. And I feel like the King of Cups is very much like that. Like he really understands emotions 
and his own emotions, others' emotions. So to me, it's like, you know, on the one hand, this could be you figuring out what what is the bedeviling part, you know, and kind of coming to some sort of okay terms with it. But I also feel like this could be you sort of in your in your writerly essence. And then the Six of Swords is about moving away from hardship. So it's like once you make that decision to do it, even if it's a funny, if it's like it feels a little coerced initially, you're like, oh, okay, you're you're sailing and you're going and it's good. Um, the Six of Swords is also Mercury in Aquarius and it's great for writing. Um, and it's, it's like a very logical, like things fall into place in a logical way. Um, you know, Mercury is the planet of communication and writing and Aquarius is very visionary and like radical. Um, so this is a really... This is a, in, in spite of that devil card casting a little bit of a shadow, it looks really good. Um, Hollywood looks strange. It doesn't look bad. It looks strange. And I almost wonder if you have multiple opportunities, if maybe we want to pick specifically on them, because maybe there, it could be that energies are getting a little tangled. So I'll show you what I have here. So the very first one that's coming up for Hollywood is the five of wands. And it's, such a funny card. You know, again, I'm so used to reading with the top deck. So in the in the top deck, it's called Strife. And it's it's Saturn and Leo. So Leo's just like, I want to be me, you know, and Saturn's like the taskmaster and is like, no, you can't be you. You get fall in line. There's shit that needs to happen. And so there it's a it's a little bit of, of a frustrated card. The energy is frustrated. There's a lot of energy, but it doesn't quite know where to go. Um and also, like, if you can see the illustration in this Rider Waite deck, you know, it's all of these ye day folks, like, fighting in these cute little frilled tunics um, with, with big sticks. <laughs> and, you know, but it looks kind of posed, right? Like, it doesn't, no one's bleeding. It doesn't look, like, deadly or anything. But there's, like, some conflict and some friction. And that could just be about, like, oh, wow, like, what is this world? Like, do I really want to go into it? And then it's followed by the Two of Swords, which in the Rider Waite deck is, a, it's very indecisive, you know? I mean, we have this image of this woman, you know, sitting, holding these two swords and it's like, and she's blindfolded and you're like, oh God, the poor dear. But then you're like, yeah, but she could just put those swords down and take that blindfold off. Like nothing, you know, no one is actually, she's not tied up. It's, it's this vacillation that makes it difficult to move forward. So, and then the final one is the seven of discs. And, you know, it's a funny, it's, it's, it's a, it's a positive card. It's a, it's really quite, a, quite a lovely card, but it just is funny in this context because, you know, the image is this man and he's leaning on his staff and he's looking sort of adoringly at this flowering shrub that he's been tending. And he's like, look at, look at all my beautiful things that have come to fruition. This is so great that I've worked so hard and now look what I have to show for it. But so it's a pause. He's sort of pausing to appreciate where he's come from. So what we have here for you is like a lot, a lot of like lack of motion, right? So you're just like, I don't, I don't know about Hollywood. It seems a little stressful. Like, is this really going to happen? There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I can't really make a decision here. Two of swords. I can't do it. And then, you know, seven, seven of discs, like, oh, wow, look at, look at what my work has brought for me. Like, I'm just going to sit here and time out and like, consider all these things but is it true that there are multiple options there are multiple projects also like everything you just said is like what is like the stereotypes of like hollywood that are being confirmed for me which is like you know like i almost like when i said after i told you I was like, oh, I could write a book. I could go to Hollywood. I was like, oh my God, this is like the oldest dilemma in the world. Some people, yeah. I mean, some people get those opportunities. Others don't, you know? And it's like, some people end up like 
you know, who is it? Like F. Scott Fitzgerald, it didn't work out for him very well. And then there's the Michael Chabons who are, you know, like, I don't know, writing Marvel or so. I don't know what, what he's doing. Actually. It does seem like, like the deck that you just pulled is the Fitzgerald case. It's like, oh, I'm frustrated. I went to Hollywood. I'm, I like, I'm proud that I'm here, but oops, like, I don't know what to do. And I'm just like fighting with people to do not that much, which is like, I think, 95% of writers, you know, the Michael Chabon story is, is, is the exception. And like most writers are like, oh, I used to be able to do whatever I wanted, which even if the devil was there, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't think that the Hollywood cards were totally Fitzgerald. Like, I think it's like, it was, you know, cause that was bad. You know, they're not bad cards. They're just sort of like, it's almost like you don't trust it and you, you can't commit to it. You know, and so I just picked the victory card for you. Um, <laughs> just like sometimes I cut the deck when I'm like, we need more information. I mean, that's why I'm thinking like, you know, maybe there's different, if we're pulling on, you know, Hollywood entirely, then we're just going to maybe get, if there's too many different projects with their own sort of potential destinies being represented, we might just not get the sharpest reads. Right. Yeah. There's a TV show that I'm, that I'm working on. I'm curious about that because it's not just like also it's like the lifestyle I think is also the the things that I think about like do I want to you know you have to work so <laughs> you have to work so hard <laughs> it's so true <laughs> it's so true like how are you going to run away and visit your bear skull in the haunted woods of Vermont when you're totally I want to I want to just be like no me and, me and the bear we're going back to our place okay so what does it look like Hmm. <laughs> it looks stressful. It looks stressful. It, I mean, like, it's so interesting what you're saying about the lifestyle, because there is something to that. Like, the very first card that comes up is the Knight of Cups, and this is a Cancer card. So, again, it's like, okay. Um, and, and also, you know, the, the Knight of Cups, he's very devotional, and he's like, he wants to be of service. And so, in a way, it's like, you're being of service to your career and to your work. You know I mean? Like, okay, here I am. I'm going to trot, you know, um, faithfully in the direction of of this opportunity because you know i want to do right by myself i want to do right by my work and then you have the four of wands which is an initial celebration it's like oh this is actually great like this is actually happening it's it's a thing that is you know when we hit a four in the tarot um it's like something has actually stabilized so this is a real thing that's really happening it's really got some you know it's got it's got legs but then look where it leaves you with the nut look it leaves you he's me crying in a bed alone if from the pictures i don't know what it is yeah uh, yeah, yeah, it's the sword, that classic Rider weight, you know, the person's waking, I can't sleep, or just woke up from a nightmare, and there's like nine swords behind them in the darkness, and it's it's stress, it's mental stress, right, and it's just sort of like, it's it's just like, oh, fuck, like, do I even want this? It, it looks like, you know, that project is a cool project that may be like, you know what I mean, like, objectively, like, yes, but is it what you ultimately will it ultimately bring you happiness maybe not you know it seems like maybe those things that you know in your gut um and it's it's really interesting i noticed this too reading tarot cards like sometimes a reading will come out and it's it's sort of neutral but the person i'm reading for will be like well that's clearly really bad so i'm not gonna do it and i'm like oh that's so interesting like it's really showing i think how you feel about it you know like because i felt i felt like that was a little more neutral than fitzgerald and you're like well that's clearly i'm gonna just be in an alcoholic car crash on the 101 and you know but no that's that's 
that's not it. But, you know, it, it looks a little bit more like there's more ambivalence than that. Um, it looks a little more complicated than that because there definitely are nice things to that you can reap from it. Um, you know, I mean, the stability of, you know, Writers Guild health insurance, you know, is that a, is that a four of wands? Probably. Um, but then the reality of like, you know, are you like a feral writer sort that does need to follow, you know, your your own projects and run off to the woods and, you know, do the things that you want to do creatively in this lifetime? Like, that's really serious. So, yeah. Oh my God, let's pick the victory card for you again. This is your, your card. I mean, I'm wondering, like, is this something that you need to be super involved with? I mean, can people just, can you be like, here, Hollywood people, take my novel, pay me well. I mean, I guess you don't get the health insurance that way, but you can still maybe get credits and get, you know, is there a way to have both the, the things of both of the worlds where you get the freedom that you want to do your own create creative work and then you can still benefit from your work being in Hollywood? You know, I really like about this is I feel like it's helping me clarify the question. Like, it's like, I actually don't mind working, I think. Like, I like, I like getting the chance to work, whether it's like on a novel or a, or a TV show. Like, I like telling stories and stuff. But I think the question is like, do I want to be beholden to people other than myself? Is like really what I'm feeling in this. Like, and like, do I want, do I want the freedom to like leave whenever I want it? Like, like, the, like, and, Again, because I don't know the astrology, I'm just looking at the pictures of the stuff with you. Like the reason I was like, that looks like a Fitzgerald ending, is that the picture is like somebody crying, like they're not with anybody else. They're like by themselves alone in bed at night, and it's just like I've lost all my, I've lost all my friends. I've lost the people who care about me. Yeah, yeah, it's a real, yeah. Like I've, I've forgotten where I came from. Like, and I'm all alone. It is a dark night of the soul. It is a dark night of the soul, Hollywood style. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Listen, this is, it's, I, I just, as you're saying all of this, I'm shuffling more and I'm like, I'm going to do another three cards. Let's get some more information. But look what it gave us. It gave us in the center, this guy again here. This is, and this is Hollywood for you on some level, right? Because this is the, this is one of the cards that came out. Like, what does it look like for you if you do it? And it's like, you know, this, the seven of discs is, is the card I'm talking about. Um, and again, it's this person who's pausing to really appreciate all of the work that he's done. Um, and he's got more, a little more work ahead of him. Right. But, yeah, yeah. but he's like, okay, this is cool. Um, and then before him, that's in the middle is <laughs> this queen who I love the nine of pentacles. She's like yeah. him on the next level. Like he's like, look, he's got his little farmer outfit on and he's like, he's leaning on his hoe. He's like, I'm a worker and I've done this work. And then she's like, I've inherited all of this and I employ you, you know, she's just like this amazing, beautiful woman, like holding a falcon for no real reason, um, standing in front of, you know, this vineyard. And so it's like, oh my God, I think there is yeah. like, I think you maybe can call more of the shots than you think around this. I think it could be very beneficial because guess what your last freaking card is? Victory, the, the six of wands just came out. This is the third time I've picked it for you. Twice just cutting the deck in a way that I felt was random. But I just uh -huh. was doing a whole bunch of shuffling and this came out. So, um, you know, we're getting more information the more we talk and pull, which I love about tarot when it works like this. What it looks like to me is like that first reading with the five of wands, the two of swords, yeah. and the seven of pentacles was really illuminating like your ambivalence, right? And the, the things that you're seeing, that five of that five of of wands of too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, and like you being frustrated um, and not in control, not in charge of the work, like that's real, right? 
but it looks like also it looks like there's really something here for you if you do want to pursue it are you writing may i ask are you writing a pilot of your of your book so the book got picked up basically i wrote two episodes and like the plan and what's happening now is it's going it, there's like a couple more edits to do, but it's going it's 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 at amazon so i, I work for jeff bezos on, i mean that's really exciting as a uh, fan of your work. I really want to watch that TV show. And it's very exciting to know that some of the episodes were actually written by you. That's really cool. Um, and from everything that I'm seeing in the tarot, like it, I, I would say that it's going to get made um, and you are going to have to make those decisions. And I think you're going to feel really torn about it. I just picked, you know, I, I, when I get more information like this during reading, like I'll, I'll cut the deck and see. So the first thing I cut the deck and I got the page of pentacles and that's you. That's like little Tory pages are novices. They're like, I don't know, you know, and the, and the, the, the pentacles is the, is the material world. So that is, you know, work money, you know? So here's like, Oh God, it's like, you know, Tori in Hollywood holding their pentacle and just being like, I don't understand this world. But then the Empress is the next card. And the Empress is like, yeah, this is happening for you. This is happening for you. And if you can just trust a sort of, you know, I think you got to lean into your burgeoning woo vibes and trust that like this is happening because it's supposed to. And there's a sort of divine guidance at work. And this is like the career you're meant to have. And I think that you can have the book and the TV show and you know, you're definitely like, even if you bailed after the first season, you'd have like cash, you'd be getting royalties forever. You'll have opportunities anew. Um, so, you know, you don't need to, you don't, you don't, you are the master of your own destiny. You know, look, the chariot. And I'm like, is it true? Is she? Yes, you are. You are. You're driving, you're driving the chariot. And um, you know, you're just one person with so much, you know, with dealing with like all these conflicting, you know, great opportunities, but then your own native desire to be a novelist, which you still are, you're never not going to be a novelist. But I think, you know, at the end of like so many polls where, where I, as a tarot reader, I'm sitting with this is like, this actually looks like a great opportunity for you and not as scary, I think, as you may fear. Look, 10 of cups, happy ending. That's great. I, mean, I love this. I mean, this is, this is certainly, um, this certainly is very, very uh, gratifying to hear. <laughs> like, cool. Well, let's hang out when you are brought to Los Angeles, <laughs> as you inevitably believe will be. <laughs> I'll come swimming in your Hollywood Hills Airbnb. Can't wait. That'll be perfect. I'll, I'll see you there. Hi, my name is Christine, and I just quit my job. Have you ever thought about quitting your job? Do you want to quit your job right now, or tomorrow, or before the earth heats up another two degrees? Well, have I got a spell for you. Just five easy steps to banish bad coworkers, bad paychecks, too much work, not enough work, evil corporations, commutes, the all too heavy hand at the free market, small talk in the break room, and Sharon in accounting who thinks your hair is too short and won't let you forget it. Step one is hate your job, or even just mildly dislike your job. Who likes their job anyway? If you like your job, write down why on a sheet of paper. Now put the paper in an envelope, address that envelope to the IRS Processing Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Now set it on fire. Now stop listening to this podcast. You should go back to work if you love it so much. Step two, think about quitting for three months at minimum, three years at maximum. Read a little, breathe a little, 
put a slice of brioche in the toaster. I like mine with butter, big jam, a pinch of sea salt. Maybe a dollop of crumb fresh if you have it. Open up Indeed in one tab and LinkedIn in another. Close both tabs. Throw your computer in the trash. You don't need it. Go outside. Imagine a world without emails. Imagine a world where Jeff Bezos liquidates his assets and gives everyone alive right now a $25 iTunes gift card. Step three, find out your manager is pregnant and going on parental leave, or date your coworker and break up with them, or find out your company is committing fraud, or lead a social media mob to cancel your HR manager online. Lots of options here. In fact, why pick just one? Date your pregnant manager and then cancel them online. Mix and match. Also, please let us know how that goes. Step four, quit. Send an edible arrangement to your boss that spells out see you never. Hire celebrated voice actor Cree Summer to narrate your two week notice. Build a bear at Build-A-Bear and whisper I'm out of here into the heart you stuff into the middle. Step five, relax, chill out, hang, pick up a new hobby, rob a bank. And when people ask you what you do, all you have to do is smile serenely and reply, nothing. Oh my gosh, Christine Marr, you are my hero. As I like to say, jobs are for quitting. And in our overwhelmingly productivity-centric culture, it helps to have a comrade, a plan, a magical spell to assist you in the liberation of your time. Thank you so much for this. Well, this has been a real grab bag of an episode. We hope it's inspired you to fall into a K-hole of unsolved mysteries, to pledge to never again go into the woods, or alternately, to find yourself a little cabin in the midst of a forested ghost town. Perhaps you'll take up motorcycle riding, and or, once and for all, quit the job that has been crushing your gorgeous spirit for way too long. Whatever you do or don't do, I personally do hope we've motivated you to grab Tori Peters' incredible novel, Detransition Baby, and tear through it before the TV version of it shows up on your screens. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Every single dollar makes this work possible. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. And you can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Kirsten Osei Bonzu. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.